everyone and welcome back to this month's Women in Dev podcast. Hope you're all doing well. Thank you again as always for joining us and if you can and have time to, it'd be great if you could give us a little rate and review on Apple Podcasts. It sounds like such a small thing but it really helps for other people to find the podcast and engage with it. It also just lets us know that you're enjoying it. Um, we always love reading your reviews and thanks to everyone who's done it so far. We're about to enter March and we're about in the run-up towards International Women's Day on the 8th of this month. And for me, it's always such an exciting time of year. I find it's a time that organisations and individuals put out some amazing research and run some incredible events where you can go and really get a picture of what it's like to be a woman in the world today and what it's like also to work in this space. And I think sometimes the narrative can really focus on the areas we still need to improve or where the gaps are. And while that's so important, I think many of us already know that. And I think actually this run-up is a really good time to see just the amount of organisations and people who are really pouring their heart and soul into seeing progression for women. And also to really take hope in that. If we're all working together, there are amazing changes that can be made across the world. And so I would really encourage everyone for this International Women's Day to take hope in that and to find that encouraging and, and kind of spur on the work that they're doing individually. This month's podcast is slightly different. It's a bit of an exciting one because we're looking introspectively. Two years ago, the Women in Dev network or platform ran their first conference. It was at the start of March 2020, just before COVID hit. So one of these final events that people went to. It was such an amazing event and an amazing space for people to come together. And really it's kind of shaped where we are in WID today and, and the work that we do. And so I thought it'd be great to use this kind of two-year anniversary to talk about what WID is, what they hope to achieve, what they've done in the past, and what the thoughts are going forward. For it, I'm joined by Rachel Firth, who is one of the founders of the Women in Dev Network. And Rachel is a formidable force. She's a really incredible voice in the space and is someone who's really putting her money where her mouth is, growing this network from the ground upwards and really trying to take a sort of intersectional bias-breaking approach to international development has meant that people have been able to come to us who've maybe not felt able to turn to more traditional spaces and found allyship and real friendship in the work that Women in Dev does. So I'm really excited to have this conversation with her and I hope that you will enjoy it too. As always, if you enjoyed the podcast, please do give us a follow on Twitter and on Instagram and let us know what you want upcoming. We're going to be taking a little break after our next episode while we kind of gear up for season two and we'd love to hear your ideas. So you can find us on Instagram at Women in Dev and on Twitter at Women Dev. Thanks. Enjoy the episode. Well, thanks for joining me. It's really nice to be able to sit down and chat, actually in this capacity, which we often don't get to do, about WID, even though we talk about it um, all the time, <laughs> every day. So yeah, I wanted to start off by kind of reflecting a little bit and, and hearing from you, because I actually don't know. Why did you decide to start WID in the first place? And what was it like kind of in the first stages of, of the beginning of WID? A good question. So it was so it was 2019. I'd had Misha, my firstborn, in August of 2018. So she must have been about six months when we started the conversation. And there was probably three different reasons it's happened. One is 
we were still very small we're still very small now but we were we were very very small and had a few clients and we as a team sort of said what do we want to become known for in this space right so we started having that conversation internally at the same time i'd spent several years going to different conferences and meetings and and convenings in the space and i found them to be a bit tedious considering the topic is social justice broadly time and again i felt very awkward, that the conversations weren't as powerful as they could be. And I just generally felt the conferences were always focused on who the elite speakers are rather than the hundreds of people that were in the room who actually are there to make connections and network and meet people and learn. And there's a real opportunity to actually have a conference that that is the starting point rather than who have you got on stage. So I wanted to do a conference that felt really, really different. And the, the starting point was the person in the audience, not the person on the stage. So that was the, the second thing. And the third was actually the types of conversations that we were having in this space. So as an organization that works with women's rights and global health organizations, and we're a predominantly female organization, I know the conversations that we are having all day, every day in different spaces amongst each other and amongst colleagues. And yet when you go to any of these conferences, it's the same like really cautious, really careful conversations, really political conversations. And everyone's just being on their best behavior and being really careful with what they say. And so the real conversations just felt like they weren't ever happening out in the open So all of those things at the same time, we thought, let's go for it. Let's do a conference that actually is having the conversations that we're all having in this sector anyway, and put them on a public stage. And let's co-create it. So let's actually speak to women in the sector, see what they want to talk about, what are the biggest issues. And so that's what we spent the next year doing. Um, and in doing so, we met everyone and we spoke to everyone. And and it was in- incredible. It was incredible. I think for many people, it was actually one of their last events before COVID, right? It was kind of like 5th of March, 2020, when I saw the date, I thought, oh my God. And I think reflecting on what people have told me and what I've heard from other people who went, I think sometimes you go to these conferences and you're right you feel like you're tiptoeing around the real issues I always think about I don't know if you've seen that that um clip of Richard Bregman where he's talking at Davos and he's like we're all here talking about yeah. something but we're not talking about taxes right and I think the WID conference kind of put that more like messy like maybe not fully formed ideas thinking about kind of like what feminism is like in in practice and kind of saying like here are the conversations it's not just the people on stage talking about them it's the people who are completely all there in that co-creation was that some of the feedback you got from people who went yeah so absolutely and everyone said like I've been to a lot of conferences in this space and I know it was ours but it is the best conference I've ever been to because of that the like whole feeling in the room was that we were in it together and trying to like problem solve together and 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 um so that felt amazing but also what I think is really important to call out is if we had not gone through that co-creation stage if we had not spent a year talking to women in this sector, this would have been another conference like something else because we had no freaking idea what some of these issues even really were at the start. It was only when we started talking along the way that we actually came to really understand some of these really critical issues and then put those women who know them best onto a stage, you know? And so 
so much i credit so much to the women who spoke at the conference because a lot of them came through this process and all of the people who helped us formulate the sessions along the way and that was open to everyone so we said to everyone these are sort of the general themes and topics that are coming out that we think we want to talk about if you want to join a working session to sort of formulate this this session please do and, and we had loads of people join it was amazing you're right it wasn't always fully formed um some of the, the conversations but they were real and they were really powerful exactly and i think in some ways it's kind of a little bit of a microcosm of how we wish to work on the wider scale you know in terms of this inviting people in not having this polished um, argument or view yeah. because actually sometimes those ones are the ones that are the easiest to crumble when you think about exactly. in, in the international development space I guess it's slightly just bring it out a little bit further you know we're talking about you know uncovering and doing this process meant that you found stuff out about what it's like to be a woman in this space that you didn't realize what were some of those things that you found out and was there anything that kind of surprised you or, or stuck out for you okay so for sure we did not understand definitely the depth of the gulf between white feminism and feminism more broadly and as a white feminist I was embarrassed by how much I didn't know going into this and I was doing a conference on gender equality like I'm actually embarrassed saying it now but I feel that we were all so transparent and open about the learning journey that we were on, that we were able to navigate it with the people who were also bringing it to the forefront of our attention. Uma, uh, Uma Mishunubi was was fundamental in that and uh, not only in holding me accountable and making sure this conference was diverse and making sure it was representative of different voices and incredible voices, there was a lot that I didn't even understand about the challenges within the feminist community. So that was huge for me. And coming in heavy footed, right, into that whole area, my God. So that was uh, a big one. Institutions versus all of the other organisations I found really interesting. Martina Brostrom, I mean, you can look into her entire story, but I connected with her early on. And not only is she such an incredible woman, it was so important to her to speak about what was happening within these institutions that are continuing to function and continuing to cover up some of these things and, and call it out and address it. And even since then, we've stayed in touch. There are people like that in every organization and every space within this sector. And what WID aims to do is be that network where wherever you are in whatever organization at whatever level, you want to change the way that this sector works for women and both within the sector and women, you know, more broadly. And so I think that that's what's um, so unique. I definitely agree. And I think this idea of institutions is something that I've been exploring more. And I think coming from the WID situation where we talk about the need for funding, I mean, we could spend hours going into the inequity and the bureaucratic processes I guess around this funding and the fact that like there's just not enough and not enough resources but going back to the institution thing I think on a personal level prior to being here I was interning at MSF at Doctors Without Borders at the time when the Oxfam story and subsequent MSF story broke and being part of the press team there an all-female press team where we were having to deal with those incoming requests and deal with it these really like it was it was really 
on a kind of micro level, I remember us all sitting down and being like, as women, like we, it's it's such a weird kind of meta moment where you're like, we experienced this in our lives. We're now having to deal with the repercussions of someone else, but then also starting to unpick that kind of institutional racism, sexism, bias that that is very much prevalent in this space. And and so to have a space like WID where you can come in and have those conversations on a kind of equal platform, not everyone's there, but have a space where you can come in and people go, yes, I also agree with that. I've also had that. I can imagine it's just, it's just so powerful in terms of, you know, having that. Yeah, I think I agree. And I think we've seen, not only did we see that at the conference and we felt it in the room, right? There was, so we actually, we worked with an organization called HubDot for the conference that it was all around the making connections of people, but really to create that equal platform, like non-hierarchical throughout the entire conference. So you could be speaking to a speaker over lunch and not even realize. So that we, we really aim to like level, level that playing field in that way, because you're right in every organization. Um, well, not structures are different in any organization, but, so often people don't feel that they can have those real conversations. They can say, isn't this a bit uncomfortable that we are dealing with this as women? Like, those are conversations that if you're thinking it, you should be able to talk about it. And and it should be okay within organizations for you to talk about it. But unfortunately, especially with larger organizations, it's not. Or the structures aren't in place to enable that to do, to, to enable women or individuals within the organization to do that well. And I see it with some, you know, I see it with clients, I see it with partners, I see it with so many organizations that I've worked with over time. Unless you are intentionally creating those spaces and unless you really feel it within the organization, like it's part of your values, it is something that's going to be lip service and not done well. And that is that is a fundamental part of what we as WID are trying to change about the way institutions in this in this sector function, like feminist leadership models, non-hierarchical, uh, participatory, having those transparent spaces, open conversations, like it can get, it can be difficult for organizations, especially more institutional organizations to bring in things like that. And it feels very different in terms of running organizations in that way but it is better and it is real and it's better for the people who are in that organization and they spend a lot of their lives at work. So It's important to value it. It's kind of putting these principles into practice, which often doesn't go kind of well. And I think sometimes I actually forget that we, the clients yeah. that we work with in our work, we're a bit spoiled because we're like, you know, so used to working with feminist organizations or those who are more progressive that recently I had a or was in a conversation where they were talking about a kind of um, a conference that was coming up in in this space and um, someone had mentioned a particular person and one of the conference creators was like oh yeah I saw them speak but I think they're too like feminist and too progressive in terms of and kind of like too disruptive and this person is not I I, I mean yeah heard this person speak before and I was like they're not like this radical kind of burning brown stage thing they're just like you know a researcher who happens to do work in this space and I was quite shocked in that conversation I was like oh my god I really went into this kind of sometimes you forget that those spaces do exist and they are kind of the majority and when you work in this space it's often the kind of we are the minority but obviously it's it's shifting in that way but funny to kind of reflect on that it it is and I think that that's you're right in the when you work in a in a feminist organization and in a feminist space but then because of our you know because we work with other clients and you see these other spaces i think what's important is 
how we bring those organizations along the way and how you're able to meet organizations where they are and negotiate those areas of learning together in a way that is respectful, but also is trying to have some accountability in that in that process as well. It's challenging. It's really challenging. But with WID, what we try and do is, because it's all types of organizations, all level of women and so on, you could be on a panel or in a discussion with someone who is working in a totally different environment and has totally different understanding and principles. And that's what's really important and powerful. And with WID events and with WID panels and discussions that we have, we always try to find people who have never been on a stage before, you know, because expertise and knowledge exists in all, you know, parts of the world, in all parts of this sector. And yet you hear the same people on stage time and time again, right? So we try and really have a mix of those po- those powerful advocate voices that we know, as well as people that you might never have heard of. Uh, and I think that's really important. Exactly. And even just kind of reflecting on how, you know, being able to craft the podcast, for example, like having that free reign to say, yeah, we're going to have someone like Kavita on who is like, you know, this has this wealth of knowledge and kind of expertise, but then also to have young climate activists um, like Yvonne or to have Gigi on to talk about young people's engagement. I think that is what makes WID so special is that it's not just for those kind of elite people who come in there and I think all of us who work on the WID team and not to speak for everyone but I think we probably do feel that sense of kind of buying an ownership that you often don't get we're not just creating and going these events we are a part of this and we are also kind of getting to shape that and also our women who work in this space just as you said Kavita you know the the women that we get on with given that we were relatively new and I'm speaking as well about the women who came to the first WID conference they are the women who get it right they are the women who despite being you know so experienced and having so many years in this field and being renowned for what they do what they do and have done they still get the importance of having these types of conversations with the with women more broadly who are working in this space. The people who said no were also unsurprising along the way. Like the women that we approached and did the same pitch to, and and they were just like, yeah, no. Um, and it was like, okay. And 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 we pitched what WID was as a space for these progressive conversations, unpacking some of these issues of white saviorism and racism in the sector and abuse in the sector. We said that that's what the conversations were and we had leaders be like, no. And and it was because it was too much and too soon. And then, yes, COVID happened and Black Lives Matter, all of that happened. And suddenly it was like, oh, now you're ready for the conversation. Okay. So it was it was very interesting, very interesting process. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So we had the first WID conference in in March of 2020 and obviously COVID hit (laughs) and we've unfortunately not had the opportunity again to do the conference in the way that we would have wanted to. But WID has evolved and it's done, hasn't it, from there. And I wonder if you could just talk a little bit about some of the things that you're most proud of over the last couple of years and things that stick out in your mind from what we've achieved. Yeah, I mean, so many. I mean, the conference itself was huge and that was like a year in the in the making it was my first year of motherhood so and we had a really small team so not only what the team delivered in terms of the conference but like managing me managing the process of building a conference with a newborn like they like props to all of them they were incredible so the conference uh for sure is that it was the biggest and proudest moment of my professional career the thing is with weird is that 
being really real, it ebbs and flows. So there's there's moments when, so it's completely unfunded as a network, right? It, we as global office um, who work with a lot of women's rights organizations, at times we have to go in and focus on the work. It's really busy, there's lots happening. And so naturally we will take a step back, but the commitment of the team to keep something like this going and making sure that it's still identifying like, what are the needs of this space and how do we address that? Also, yeah, AWID shut down their jobs board. So we spoke to AWID and said, we'll take it on because we know how much people value um, feminist and, and gender focused jobs or having one space where they know they can go to for that. Um, so that was big. The podcast, we know people wanted podcasts. So being able to, this is what I love about WID and about the organization and about my team is we get to do what we want. Like if we actually have a passion and a good idea that we know that women want, that we know the sector needs, we can just do it because it's outside of any organization saying, no, you can't, or yes, you can. And that is something that I'm so committed to with wit continue to do so i love it yeah i'm I'm proud of where it is today and and everyone who's a part of it i think you're so right and i think part of it also is that we've there's been some events where we've really kind of managed to crowd in people who normally probably wouldn't have been in those spaces to have conversations i think that we had one on kind of funding and transformational funding we've also had one on um, racial equity in, in, in international and which is these huge topics but i think because of the way that we sit in terms of our I guess professionalism is the conversation, but also just the quality of things that we put out and the fact that we're straddling both of these worlds in the fact that we're an agency as well. We've been able to bring together conversations of people who maybe might not have had it not been for for who we are. And I think that really is something to be proud of and to to kind of celebrate. Because I think there are other, if someone else had approached them, they might have said no. Yeah, I agree. I think it was really important for us to create this space and, and maintain this space because you're right, like, because of that overlap into the agency world and the clients we work with, we do have access to such a huge array of, of organizations and individuals, some senior, uh, some that people might never have heard of. But being able to be that central point where you bring them into a room or virtual room to have a conversation, it's amazing to be able to provide that for, for different organizations. Uh, and that doesn't just mean giving certain smaller organizations a chance to be in a conversation with a big donor, but also to give a big donor a reality check as to what is actually really happening on the ground sometimes, which doesn't, you know, sometimes they really need. Um, and actually, I've been thinking about sort of one of the things that we might want to do next, given all of our clients in reach and the organizations who are involved in WID is actually give them a chance to have like a session and give them all a chance to spend five minutes talking about what it is they're doing, who they're working with, and inviting donors in to listen to really get the landscape of who's doing what and where and who's working with who and what are the obstacles and what's going really well. I think that that would be a really good session to have. Um, and and yeah, that's, that's the sort of thing that WID can do, which is wonderful. I think it's so right. It's particularly coming back to the funding issue. It's something that I've like grown to understand more since being in the space and being part of WID and some of the clients that we work with. It is abysmal the way that funding works in this in this sector. And we, we know this. And the fact that you have the same old people getting funding time and time again because they're good at grant writing or, you know, they have the ability to submit all these things or they have the connections. I think 
sometimes I want to say to donors, like, are you not bored? Like, do you not want to go out and see what else is going on and see these amazing like groups that are working on the ground? And sometimes they'll pop up and, you know, get a bit of thing. But I think as WID, we can do a really good job, as you said, of bringing these kind of powerful relationships together and making those connections. And even if it doesn't result in funding, it's still opening doors that maybe wouldn't be there, you know? I, I Yeah, I agree. And I've been in so many spaces, like not really understanding why certain organisations seem to have no problem with it and others are really struggling despite so clearly doing incredible work. Women in global health, just as an example, and I've worked alongside Reaper for so long, the volume of what they were doing and still are, what they are building has been incredible for years. For years, they've been incredible. And they have operated on a shoestring and they have begged and pleaded and done everything that they could to get funding and had to prove themselves at a level that other organizations have never had to. And then very similar organizations alongside getting millions from a phone call, you know? And and it is about, it is so much about relationships and connections and trust. And that trust element is where we all need to do so much work as an organization and especially donors, because we say that we want, like there's a lot of talk around it. There's a big narrative around trust, but I'm not seeing enough donors put their money where their mouth is with that. I am seeing so many of my partners and organizations that I work with bleeding for donors, you know, begging for funding, despite the fact that their work is so often held up and referred to and, you know, as being really, really good. Like donors and partners know that this work is good and they're not just saying, you know what, 10 million for the next five years, just go and carry on doing what you're doing. It just doesn't happen. And and we've got a lot of work to do. Totally. That really. The philanthropy thing is just one more point and I want to kind of try and go into the last question, but the philanthropy point is so interesting because so many private philanthropists have come from business right and they're so used to making these kind of risky high risk um high reward investments right but when it comes to giving they're so unwilling to do that they're so unwilling to put their practices of their business into there and not everyone obviously like and it's it is changing and we know that from some of the research but put some of your practices i'm like you did business well you can do investments well as well like put those kind of those practices and this is the one time where I want people to use their business practice and put it into into this space because it's it's just crazy it just doesn't make any sense and I I I agree with you and I see it a lot as well I see some groups really doing doing amazing work to get there and build that understanding uh and I know you know but a shout out to the the article on higher impact philanthropy that that co-impact put out around that because they've really done some studying on what is motivating philanthropists and how you can really advance equitable giving. But what we know is that people are influenced by their peers. And it all comes back down to trust and who you know, and, um, and, and where you feel comfortable. And getting outside that comfort zone is one thing, right, getting outside your comfort zone is one thing, but your comfort zone might still only open your doors and eyes to like, next the next ring of organizations right so like you're slightly comfortable maybe going international rather than national with your funding but you still need all of these things around it so so how do you go from there to funding like women's movements which we also know and evidence shows that's how you're going to have a real impact you're asking them to take a real leap of faith and i get that some might not be there but that is the work that WID and many other networks and organizations need to do is really start to 
build that evidence, A, but also advocate. We need, we need the, the more that we can advocate around this and, and put pressure on different types of uh, funders and organizations to change the way that they are functioning, the better chance that we have of, of changing the way this sector functions. Exactly. I want to kind of talk a little bit, finally, just to, to kind of wrap up a little bit about what your hopes are for the future of this sector. The work that we're doing now is built on work that came before, but we are working towards this more kind of equitable and transparent sector in the international development sector. Is there anything like key changes that you'd love to see and kind of hope to see in the next in the next few years? I'm aware that because we work in the gender space and really within that within the feminist gender space day-to-day life and work looks like is different to like those in the sector more broadly so I'm also aware that my perspective on what it should look like is still based on uh, a sector within a sector however it would be amazing if this sector became known more for the thousands of organizations that make it up rather than the few institutions for that shift to change and that is the work of communications and advocacy like there is so much that can be done there and that is why I do what I do and global office does what it does and WID does what it does we can change that if we create the space to have the conversations with the individuals who are in these organizations who feel the same way as us because you know what like we are all going to carry on our careers in this sector and rise up to different levels in different organizations and take with us the principles and values that have evolved with us along the way so if we can identify, if we create this network with of women working in all organizations, in all regions, in all spaces, who fundamentally believe in the same principles and the same objectives, then they will continue to grow within this sector and take on positions where they have more influence and more power and influence decision making and change the way that this sector functions. So I do believe it can happen. And um and I think WID is really important in continuing to create those spaces for those types of conversations. And also a real shout out to anyone who's maybe considering point being part of the network or joining any of our events. Like this is what it is. And it is also just the space that we want you to come in. If you have an idea, if you're listening to this and you think I have this idea for an event, a podcast episode or something, like come to us. Like we are so open in terms of doing that. And yeah, I think yeah. that's what makes this network so special is that we try to cater to all the people there. And we have this amazing steering committee who help us to influence but we're also just like you so if you have an idea come to us and and we'll we'll cater that for you and create create that space essentially exactly and and think for all the ideas that we've had along the way from people who have done exactly that right like it's amazing who we have met what we now know what we have learned um, exactly so I love it yeah that's great well thank you so much Rachel that was so interesting and so great to just like yeah, debrief and kind of think about where we are with WID and it's made me really excited going forward. And yeah, I can't wait to, to kind of work on things and to work with the rest of the team on it. Oh, me too. And thank you, Wallace. Thanks for being a part of it. Thank you. And as always, if you enjoyed the episode, you can give us a little follow on Twitter at Women Dev and on Instagram at Women and Dev. Thanks and see you next month.